We have two scriptures that we're going to be sharing today. The first is James chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. It says, What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. And then we go to John verse, uh, chapter 14, verses 12 and 13. It says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. Verse 13, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. You may be seated. Thank you, David. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, we've said a couple times, but maybe in case you slid in during that song there, we just want to say welcome and thanks for being at church. Um, we're taking the month of January. We started the year by talking about, about prayer and um, the emphasis on prayer because we believe it's the most important thing that we could ever teach you is how to pray or how to feel more confident in your praying. And so to do that, we have been using the acrostic for the word pray. Uh, if you've been here, you know that the P stands for pause. We just learned that before we talk to God, we want to be still and quiet so we can hear from God. We've got to pause before we start talking. And then last week, we learned about the R, which is rejoice. And uh, we learned that we'll never enjoy prayer unless we enjoy God, which makes a lot of sense because we're talking to him. And so today, my task is to teach on the A, which stands for ask stands for ask, which is probably the most traditional idea that we have of prayer. And our goal with these sermons is to help you have more confidence when you pray. And so I can't think of an area where we need more confidence than in how we ask and what we ask for from God. So let's be clear right up front. I want to just clear it up right at the beginning that there is nothing wrong with asking God to do things for you. Let's just say it again, that there is nothing wrong with asking God to do things for you. But even as I say that, we're like, yeah, okay, but, right? I was thinking this week um, of, of recent experiences where I feel like God's done something for me. Uh, many of you know that in the fall, my car was stolen. And so while, when we recovered the car, and which first of all, we were praying during that little period of time, but when we recovered the car... Uh, had to go to the shop, and if you know anything about body shops right now, you know that they're way backed up, and it's taking forever. And so insurance provided a rental car for me, and that had a certain allotment on it, and it, we ran out. And so I called and said, hey, my car's not ready yet. Uh, can I get a little more allotment? And they said, well, we can do like one more week, but that's all we can do. So the week runs out. The car's still not ready. It's not going to be ready for a while. So... Um, I call back and I say, hey, it's not ready. I said, we're sorry, you'll have to return the rental car. There's nothing else we can do. And, uh, and so I began to pray. I began to pray. And, 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 and I have to be honest with you, as I, as I started praying, I felt as if I wasn't supposed to be praying. Like, I, I, are you allowed to pray about rental car allotment? I, it's, I don't think so. I didn't think that was a possibility. And I know, because I've been in church my whole life, and I've heard many sermons on prayer, I know that, you know, if it's important to me, it's important to God. I know that God, my heavenly Father, you know, wants to 
uh, provide for me. I know all of those things, but in that moment when I'm saying, God, I need a rental car, there's something about it that feels like, I'm not supposed to pray about this, right? So anyway, so I, I go to return the car uh, to Enterprise, shout out to Enterprise, and uh, I go to return the car and give them the keys or whatever, and there was a problem. They were trying to return it, but in the system, there was some kind of problem. It's a major headache. I'm standing there for many, many, many minutes longer than I needed to be standing there, and they said, we're going to need you to call your insurance company. Something's not right. So I, I call the insurance company, and I'm talking to the guy, and I say, hey, I'm here at Enterprise, and, and you know, they're... Uh, having some trouble, whatever. He said, well, read me the claim number. And so I read him the claim number that's in the computer. And he says, oh, that's not the claim number I have. I said, it's not. He said, no, it's not the claim number I have. He gave me the claim number that he had. Enterprise looked that up. And because I had filed a claim like months earlier, but had never used it, I had a whole new allotment for a rental car. And I got the rental car until I picked up my other car. And as I'm driving home that day, I texted Andrea and I said, not as I'm driving, of course, but as I'm driving home that day, I texted Andrea and I said, I think I just experienced a miracle or a coincidence, I'm not sure. But even when God straight up undeniably answered the prayer, I'm like, I don't know. I mean, because it's a rental car. And I mean, like, is that like of all the prayers that are going up to God, like, but in that moment, we have the choice to believe that either God hears us and cares and responds or we say, well, it was already in the computer and it was in there. You just didn't know and you could have had it any time, but, you know, and those types of things. It reminds me of the, the story I heard about um, the lady. I may have shared this here before, but uh, it all runs together sometimes. But the, the lady who uh, would always annoy her neighbor, the older church lady who would always annoy her neighbor because she would pray on her front porch. Have you heard this story? And so she would always pray every day, God, I thank you, you're so good to me. And, and her, her neighbor didn't believe in God and was just so annoyed by this that, uh, that she would pray so loud or whatever. And so one day she was praying and she said, God, you know my needs, you know I don't have any food in the house and I'm hungry and God, I need you to provide for me. I know that you are my provider, I need you to provide for me. And the guy who didn't believe in God next door had, had an idea. He thought, I'll show her. So he goes to the grocery store and buys two bags of groceries and that night as she's sleeping, he puts him on the front porch, and, and, and she comes out the next morning, and she sees him. He's watching through the window, and she sees, and she starts shouting and celebrating and rejoicing. God, thank you. Thank you, God, that you provided food for me. You heard me when I prayed, and he opened the window, and he yelled out, and he said, ha, joke's on you. God didn't do that. I did that. And she started screaming and celebrating. She said, God, thank you for answering my prayer and making the devil pray for it, pay for it. So you have a choice. You have a choice at how you view life. I think that's a great starting point for us. That if we're going to talk about asking, we also have to think about answering. And I would be willing to bet that all of us have experienced many, many, many more answered prayers than we realize that we have. It's in our perception of what happens after we pray uh, so often. And our, our two scriptures today that David read for us, they make some large declarations about asking. James said, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And then Jesus said, you can ask for anything in my name and I will, will do it. And I, I have to admit to you that as 
as a pastor, when we read verses like this, I immediately want to jump in with a bunch of disclaimers and say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. That, that's not technically what he means. That's not exactly what, what it means. But I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that today. Instead, I want to do the opposite. Instead, before we worry about the technicalities of, of what it means, what I want us to do is not rush past the fact that it's even possible to possess this kind of power. I mean, what a miracle that the God of the universe would give us, me and you, who are we? That he would give you and me the ability, the power, the opportunity to alter life, to alter the course of history. I mean, have you considered that? In all of the tangled ideas that we get about asking God for things, have you ever just stopped and considered the miracle that it is that God would even care enough about you and me or be so in love enough with you and me that he would give us a tool. He would give us a way to alter the events of our life and the course of history. We have at our disposal the potential to influence God. Think about that. We have the potential to influence God. And all we have to do, according to Jesus and according to James, is ask. A few years ago, I was putting the kids to bed, and, um, you know, mom and dad put kids to bed differently. Uh, and so dad's in there, you know, trying to rally the rodeo, and uh, we decided we'd read a book. And so we read the children's version book of Aladdin and um, finished the book, and we got done. And I just said to the kids, the, the three kids, not Sadie, but the other three, I said, Hey, here's a cool question. If you found a genie in a bottle, you know, uh, what, would, what, what would you wish for? What are three wishes you would wish for? And Nora and Zeke gave a few answers. You know, they threw some stuff out. And, and Solomon didn't talk the whole time. And Solomon does that sometimes. Solomon's our thinker. You know, he's really processing. And, and so Solomon doesn't say a word the whole time while the other ones are talking. And finally gets done. And I, they get done. And I say, Solomon, what would you wish for? What, what three wishes would you Use if you found a genie in your bottle. And he looked at me with the kindest, most tender face. And he said, Dad, I don't need three wishes. I just need one. I want a dog. <laughs> I want a dog. Now, up until that point, I didn't grow up in a house with pets. Andrea definitely didn't grow up in a house with pets. She actually has some crazy stories you can ask her about later about ending the life of some animals. But anyway, that's a whole separate story. That was an accident, of course. But we had said from the get-go, no, no pets, nothing. You want a goldfish, we'll compromise. But no, nothing else. We're not doing pets. And that night, I walked into the bedroom and I said, Andrea, I hate to tell you this, but we are getting a dog. <laughs> we are getting a dog. Matter of fact, I, I brought a picture of my dog. If they could throw it up there for you. I'm not sure if they, there she is right there. And when we got that dog, we laid strict ground rules about where she would be allowed to go and where she would not. And now she sleeps right in the middle between Andrea and I. And we love that thing. Now, what happened? What happened? Well, what happened was my child moved my heart. And he got what he wanted because he asked for it. Now, I am absolutely certain that had he never asked, I wouldn't have just brought a dog home one day. Because 
it was not my will for my family to take care of a dog. So I wouldn't have just brought it home. But because he wanted it and because he moved my heart and because he asked for it, my heart was moved. And I wanted to give a good gift to my children. So this is what James is describing when he says, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. So no matter how cynical we want to be, we cannot deny the fact that there are some things that only happen in life and that would otherwise not happen if we didn't ask God for it. It's undeniable through the Bible through the course of history and the stories in our life, that there are certain things that do not happen or will only happen through asking. So this has to be our starting point. We shouldn't feel bad about it. God wants us to ask. And of course, he didn't have to give us prayer. He could have predetermined everything and just told us to deal with it. But he gives us the opportunity to ask, and it does a lot of things. We could take the whole sermon to talk about all the, the reasons that it's important for us to ask. I just jotted down three. The first is that it's relational. The best kind of asking comes in relationship. And so when we feel comfortable in our relationship with God, we also feel comfortable Asking. This is something close friends do. Hey, can you pick up my kids from school? Hey, can I stop by the house? And hey, do you have any extra eggs or any butter? Or um, can I borrow your car? This is something that people who are in relationship don't feel awkward doing. And the closer I feel to God, the more comfortable I am asking for things. But if I don't feel comfortable in my relationship with God, then it just gets really superstitious and things like that. I don't want to do that. So it's relational. Like an, another reason that we ask or that God gave us this miracle of asking is it requires me to be vulnerable, you know. I, I'm having to admit that I need help, that there's something I cannot do on my own. And if we're being honest, most of us pray as a last resort, not as a first option, you know, because we try all of our solutions first. When I finally get to the point where I ask God, I'm at the end of myself and I'm, I'm having to admit that I need help and I cannot control the situation or fix the situation, which is something we, we hate to do. And like I said, I'm sure there's lots of reasons, but I think maybe this third reason maybe is the most important or pertinent to where we are, which is asking also makes us more grateful. I have, I have, you know, friends in different theological uh, tribes, you know, that believe different things about God and different things about prayer. And what I can say with absolute certainty is that those that I have a relationship with who believe, even if their beliefs are a little bit out, you know, out there, the people who believe that their prayers alter things, are, they're more grateful people joyful, grateful people, because they are also living life with the lens of answered prayers and a God who provides. Versus my friends and, and, and relationships that I have who are, who are locked, locked in on some doctrine and theology that makes things more certain and provides a little more certainty, but there's not as much joy and there's not as much celebration and there's not as much gratitude because they don't see life through the lens of God uh, in relationship with us, altering things. 
So the more I ask, the more I'm paying attention to answered prayers and small blessings. And so I love the way Pete Grigg talks about it in his book. He says, we should pray for smaller things more often. I love that thought. He's not saying that we should only pray for small things. He's saying that there's something about being the kind of person who's just always praying and even praying and asking for the small things. He says in his book, like, should you pray about parking spots? He's like, why not? Because when you get one, you can say, thank you, Jesus. You know? So when we pray about smaller things more often, it makes us a more grateful person. It makes us someone who's looking for answered prayers, okay? So I wanted to just put all that out there up front. We pray. It's a miracle. It changes things. It influences the heart of the Father. All those things are true. But the obvious next question is this. All of us in here have prayed about a lot of things, and we haven't gotten it. We have experienced unanswered prayers. And unless we've been keeping really detailed notes, we probably believe or are under the impression that we have had more unanswered prayers than we have had answered prayers. And so what what happened? Jesus says, ask anything in my name. James says, you don't have because you don't ask. Well, I did ask. What happened? Well, I'm going to tell you what I think happened. But before I do that, I want to just add a disclaimer in there that most of my life, I have not enjoyed sermons on prayer for this very reason. Because when it gets to this idea of unanswered prayers or asking God for things, the sermons either felt cynical or gullible. Those are like the two things that the extremes in this idea of asking God. Sometimes, because I, I grew up in kind of a, a more Pentecostal, uh, faith filled, so to speak, um, environment. And so they kind of talked about asking God. Like someone was t- selling me a timeshare, you know, like just keep claiming it and acting like it's already yours and it will be yours. But then inevitably when I didn't get it, they would then say it was because I didn't have enough faith. So if you just believe it, it's yours. I didn't get it. Well, that's because you didn't have enough faith. And all answered prayers are based on your faith. And there's some truth in that. Jesus says your faith has healed you over and over again in the Gospels. Of course, there's, a little bit, there's always a little bit of truth in the things that we get wrong. But then on the other side, it wasn't a timeshare. (laughs) It felt like it was a bunch of conditions that were a tease. Like they kept saying that, you know, um, they kept saying that God would give me what I asked for as long as I was asking for the right reasons in the right way at the right time. So God will answer all your prayers just as long as you're praying all the right prayers for the right reasons at the right time. I felt like I was shopping at Kohl's. Like you get a deal to, you think you have a deal to, you get to the cash register. And you're like, you don't have the deal. Right? It's not the right dates for the cash. And so it was, it was this feeling of, oh, okay, so he really doesn't mean that then. And, and maybe you've felt that, that way before. Well, I'm definitely not going the timeshare route today, okay? But I do also want to do my best to not over-conditionalize God's promises either. So I want to see if, um, if I can do that. Okay, so what I want to do is I want to give you um, the way I want to kind of get into this conversation of unanswered prayers in our life is I want to start by by us admitting to ourselves the way that we show up to prayer. Here's the way I would say it is three things that I have to admit about my prayers. We're going to take this straight out of James, but three things 
if we're talking about asking and why doesn't God do what I ask him to do, I think we have to start by admitting three things about our prayers. And I'm going to go ahead and give them to you, and then we'll talk about them. The first thing we got to admit is that I want the wrong things a lot of times. The second thing we got to admit is I want the wrong things for the wrong reasons a lot of times. And then the third thing I probably got to admit is I want the wrong things for the wrong reasons at the wrong times. I think we have to, before we indict God for not doing what we say, we have to start by assessing the prayer and our heart and our, and our soul. And James says in the very beginning, David read it to us, what is causing the quarrels and the fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires that are at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and you kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and you wage war to take it away from them. Okay, so James is talking about you and me. He's talking about the condition that we show up in when we come to God to pray. This means that you and I show up to prayer feeling conflicted, selfish, jealous, discontent, and scheming. We want to pray about our kids' future, but we also have to admit that we have an agenda for our kids' future. We want to pray about our job, but we also have to admit that we're probably not the best person to see the whole picture of what's happening at our job. We see our job through our lens. We do want a new house, or we do want a better car, and that's true, and there's nothing wrong with asking for those things. But we also have to admit that we base what we think a good car is on what other cars are around us. And so James says, you, you need to ask God more, but you've also got to admit that like you, you're a schemer. You're selfish. You're jealous. And so as you enter into asking, you've got to be honest about who you are. And so this is our first confession that we're making, is that I have to admit, yes, I have experienced a lot of unanswered prayers, but I have to admit I probably want a lot of the wrong things. I just, I'm a human. It's not because I'm, more, I'm not worse than everybody else. I'm just a human being. I, I want the, the, the wrong things. I'm sure. I'm sure I do. This is why it's so important to pause before we pray. Pastor Joe did such a great job talking about this because it's in the quiet and the stillness where the truth about the condition of our souls comes to the surface. Those feelings and desires come to the surface and we become aware just taking 30 seconds, two minutes, five minutes, and just being quiet before we pray, before we ask for anything, brings the truth about what's weighing us down and what we're feeling and the, 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 all of the scheming and the jealousy, all, it, it rises to the surface. So we have to admit to ourselves that our motives are not as pure as we claim that they are. And yes, we want to make more money because we want to give more to the church. That's on the list somewhere. It is on there, but it's probably not at the top, all right? It doesn't mean we can't pray. It doesn't mean we shouldn't ask. It just means that we have to start by admitting that when it comes to asking God for things, we're probably asking for, from a more selfish place than a spiritual one. And what happens is, even as I'm saying this right now, is that shame shows up and says, well, if that's the case, you shouldn't even bother. 
you know how offensive that is to God? He knows the truth. He, he, he ain't buying that. But to the contrary, this is the very reason we need to pray. Because prayer helps us recognize what's happening in our souls. It brings our sinful nature to the surface. And the more that you pray, the better you get at praying. The more that you ask, the better you get at asking. Anne Lamont uh, wrote a book with a great title. The title is just Help Thinks Wow. She says these are the three essential prayers that we all pray. Help, thanks, wow. That's probably true. But if that's all that prayer is, then our relationship is just transactional. We want to be in relationship so that even in our asking, we can see our need for a Savior. We can see our need for grace. We can see the truth about what's happening in our hearts. And so let's just start right there. I'll admit that, I, yeah, I experience a lot of unanswered prayers. But I also got to admit, I probably ask for some things that aren't necessarily best for me. But the second thing that we have to admit is that we also ask for the wrong reasons at times. James continues taking us to school when he says, and even when you do ask as your last resort potentially, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. So let's start here. There's nothing wrong with asking for pleasure. But there is something wrong with only ever asking for pleasure. I've shared many times, but it's one of my favorite Mark Batterson quotes. He says, don't be in such a hurry to get out of tough times that you don't get anything out of them. And I think that applies here. When we're praying, playing, uh, praying for pleasure, we're not just praying for uh, good feelings. We're also playing, praying to not feel bad feelings or to go through tough times in our life. And we don't want to admit it, but we all know it's true that the best lessons are learned and the most characters developed when life is the hardest. It was C.S. Lewis who said that God whispers to us in our pleasures but shouts in our pains. There is a closeness to God in tough times. It's what brought many of you through the doors of the church, a really tough time. And there's a desire to pray during tough times that you don't feel during great times. It can't be manufactured when your problems go away. So our basic human instinct when we hear that God will give us what we want and what we ask for is to ask for life to get better or easier. And of course that's how we feel. But I would be willing to bet that if you were to look back over your life, not in the short term, but in the long term, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. I would be willing to bet that God has answered those prayers for you and that your life has gotten better. I'm not saying that where you're sitting here today is the best your life has ever been or that you're not going through a tough time. But I would be willing to bet that if you look back over the decades, you would say, you know what? God has made my life more enjoyable, better, more satisfying, but he wouldn't, it, did, it doesn't feel that way because you eliminated all the trouble in your life. It feels that way because you endured and learned through the trouble. And now you have lessons that you would never want to choose again, but you would never change them. And if you had gotten what you had asked for, you would have lost all of the treasures of the painful times. Which kind of brings us to our last thing we got to admit, and that is that, you know, yeah, wrong things, wrong reasons, yes, but but sometimes it's just the wrong time. 
And I've learned in my life that God usually answers my prayers in three ways, yes, no, and not yet. And the older I get, the more I'm convinced that not yet is his favorite response. Because the desires in my heart are God desires. They are God dreams. I do want good things that God wants to bless, but I'm almost always premature. Almost always. And you know this if you're a parent. You're going to get your kid a car, but not for their eighth birthday. And no matter how much they ask at eight, the answer is not yet. doesn't matter what they say or how much they move your heart. You're not buying the car. But you will, just not yet. Not yet. And so when we talk about having faith, when we pray, we need to be careful that we don't only think about faith as in confidence, not doubting. Because faith also includes faithfulness, which is seasons of waiting and discouragement. And waiting requires just as much faith as declaring. Let me say that again. Waiting requires just as much faith. Feeling stalled, feeling plateaued, feeling like you're not going anywhere, but hanging in there requires just as much faith as declaring and boldly you know, accepting and believing for whatever God's going to do in your life, okay? Now, i got just a few minutes left, but I haven't been here in a while, so I have a lot to say. So hang with me just a second, okay? My goal has been to give you more confidence. I want to give you more confidence, but I probably haven't done that yet. And so I want to spend the last few moments trying to do that, give you confidence, and I believe that our confidence in asking comes from two places. The first place that we draw our confidence from is that the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit will help us when we pray. Which means, the Bible tells us, Romans 8, 6, the Bible tells us that when we show up to pray, the most important part is just the showing up. That when we show up to pray and as we begin to pray, Romans 8, 6 tells us that we don't even know what to pray. And sometimes we can read that verse as in like I'm literally speechless. But other times it can also mean that like I'm just blabbering away, but I don't know what to pray about. I'm just talking. And, and Romans says that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. He prays for us sometimes in groanings and things we don't understand. But also, he's interceding on our behalf, which means that, this is beautiful, it means that even when I'm praying, and I'm air quoting here, wrong, it means that in a, in a supernatural way I can't explain, God is going to answer all the prayers that I should be praying, even if I'm not praying them. And I would pray them if I knew all the stuff I needed to know and saw life the way God saw it. I would pray it, but I'm not, but he's going to answer them anyway. Because the Holy Spirit is praying on my behalf. And so I can have confidence that when I show up to pray, I have done the most important part. I've just shown up to a place, or I've paused in a car, or I've turned off the radio, or I've taken a walk in the neighborhood, and I've just shown up. And I'm going to do my best to say what I need to say for the, ask for the right things, for the right reasons, in the right time. I'm going to do my best. But even if I'm not, the promise is that the Holy Spirit is praying for me while I'm praying. So that's the first confidence booster for us. Is you just got to show up. The Holy Spirit's going to help you. But the second and maybe even more important place that we draw our confidence is in John 14. 
Jesus said, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. It's that phrase, in my name, that should fill us with unbelievable confidence when we pray. Because at its core, it means something incredible. What it doesn't mean is that we just add in Jesus' name to the end of our prayers. Pray, 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 pray. In Jesus' name, amen. It's a good thing to say. Nothing wrong with saying that. But that's not what it means to just pray in Jesus' name. It means something way better than that. In Jesus' name means that when we pray and ask God for anything, we are praying on behalf of Jesus. That we get to pray in Jesus' name because when God looks at us, he sees Jesus. How many times have you heard me say this? That you get credit for the life of Jesus because Jesus took credit for your life. And that means that when you put faith in the life and the death of Jesus, then you know that God has already proven that there is nothing that he will withhold from you. He has already solved your biggest problem and answered your greatest prayer by giving you his greatest gift. Which means that when you go to pray, you do not ever have to doubt that God will not do whatever is best for you. You say, well, how could I know that? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, that even before you knew what to pray and knew what your greatest problem was, God said, I already know what your greatest problem is, and I'm going to solve it for you. I'm going to answer that prayer for you by sending my son so we can pray like someone who's confident that God will not withhold from us. Anybody can pray. You don't have to be a Christian to pray. And I'm not smart enough to know how all that works. But I, am, I do know this, that for someone who is a Christian whose faith is in Jesus Christ, we have in our toolbox the ability to pray in Jesus' name. We're not going to God and saying, God, I'm praying in Jason's name because, you know, I've had a pretty good week. I'm going to God and I'm, going, and I'm saying, God, I'm praying to you because I can because of Jesus Christ, because of the cross. Because when you look at me, you see Jesus. And so prayer without Jesus is just wishing. But prayer with Jesus is knowing that God always has my best interest in mind. Tim Keller shares a, a great um, analogy for this. He says that when we go to God and we ask for things, of course we want them. We wouldn't be asking if we didn't want them. He said, but we're kind of like a five-year-old playing in the kitchen with our toy truck. And someone in excitement runs into the house through the door, and in their excitement, they accidentally step on the truck on the kitchen floor, and it breaks. And the kid you know, we're the kid, we, we're crying because our truck is broken. We want a new truck. And the person who was excited and ran in the house says to everybody in the house, you're never going to believe this, but you had like a distant third uncle who died, and they left you $10 million. Keller says, you know what that kid's going to do? He's going to keep crying, wishing somebody would buy him another truck. Because he can't understand the value of $10 million. 
Keller says, that's what it's like when we come to God mad because he didn't answer our request. Yeah, we're upset. And there's no other way for the five-year-old to know. He wouldn't even begin to know. He's crying because that's all he knows to do because he loves that truck. But you and I have a value and a gift from God that far exceeds anything that we perceive that he has not done for us. He's answered our greatest need and our greatest prayer. But if we are a Christian, I'll end with this. If you are here today and you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, the work of Jesus on the cross, this also means that every answered prayer that we experience in Jesus' name, we get to pray and we get to experience because Jesus' prayer in the garden went unanswered. If you're here today and you would say, man, I... I'm really struggling. I'm very discouraged because I've been asking God and he has not answered me. He has not given me what I want. Jesus knows exactly what that feels like. Because in the garden, he prayed desperately, sweating blood for God. If there is any other way, take this cup of suffering away. I don't want what's going to happen tonight to happen because it's going to be terrible. And that prayer went unanswered. And that means that if we're experiencing unanswered prayers in this season, we have a Savior who can empathize and understand what we're going through. But it also means that every answered prayer in our life is because Jesus' most important prayer went unanswered. So in just a moment, we're going to have an opportunity to take communion together. There's going to be tables set up up front. If you'd like to do that, you can come forward, take the bread, dip it in the juice. And maybe today what we could do to reflect on Jesus, maybe what we could do today is when we take that bread and we dip it in that juice, maybe we could take a moment and thank God for not answering Jesus' prayer in the garden because he gave us the opportunity to have a relationship with God, be forgiven of our sins, and to pray in Jesus' name. Let's pray. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you sent your son before I ever knew I would need him. Thank you, God, for answering the greatest prayer request I could ever have before I ever knew to request it. For saving my soul and establishing my eternity is secure. And God, we want to thank you today for not answering Jesus' prayer in the garden. for sending your son to the cross to die and to take the penalty and the shame of my sins so that I could receive the glory of your son. And so God, I pray today that as we take this bread and dip it in this juice, we would be reminded that prayer is not just about asking. But God, it's way better than that. It's asking in the name of Jesus Christ who gives us life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.